0: our purpose, our bigger purpose in, in BP. And he's been working with a group of young people because we also realized we need to engage the next generation in this conversation. So this is really sharing uh, the insights, the learnings from an experience we, the three of us really collected in the last uh, um, um, 12 months um, based on the thinking I already had much longer in my mind. Um, and in essence, and this is the the way we want to structure i do believe it's very important that you've dialogue you all are very impressive very experienced individuals so um we are not going to preach to you for 12 months i think that's also like part of the olden ways yeah i think uh, generations that work as 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 exemplified here with ross and levi uh, people from different countries uh, i think that really creates a new thinking original thinking which I do believe is so important. Everyone talks about rebuild better. Nobody knows what it actually means and nobody really um, knows how to do that. But I'm certain all of you think about that very deeply um, because we will have and I belief that the next 10 years we're gonna look very different. Yeah? And we came up and we firmly believe that three dimensions, every company, every society needs to think about. And this is actually leadership. This is actually clarity of purpose. And this is actually the experience. Um, I think I firmly believe that um, more and more people just want to have experiences at work and outside work rather than consume products. Uh, And I think that's going to be another big mega trend. So I'm going to kick it off now with uh, talking about leadership, followed by uh, Ross talking about clarity of purpose and purpose, and Levi talking about experience. And this is actually, the image is taken from from a LinkedIn post I did some time ago, uh, three inspiring leaders. And um, I think it is quite important to really, really understand at the end of the day, everything, everything is about leadership. Now, the question is, we have a lot of leadership, as we can see in this world. Uh, Some is good and some is not so good. Uh, For me, good leadership is actually progressing and make things better. I think it's as simple as that. Good leaders improve a system, a society, a company, whatever it is. This is, for me, good leadership. Now, the good thing is, um, Liva, can you go to the next slide? Now, the next slide basically is a very simple, and I want us to really understand that. Productivity is a function of the people who work within the system. That can be a society, that can be like a for-profit company, like most of us are, Uh, or that can be an NGO. And there's no difference whatsoever. I recently was appointed to become a trustee of a large global um, NGO. I had my first meeting, exactly the same. And the thing I want you all to remember, dissatisfied people versus highly engaged and um, um, invigorated people is like a factor of three. So you basically increase productivity output relative to input by factor of three. And uh, the only difference is, are the people working with you inspired or are they not? Yeah? And this is actually a data that is basically to started 2015. And I think I want all of us to remember that. Can we go next slide? Now, the other thing is I do read a lot. Those people who know me, they know I've probably consumed like hundreds or maybe even thousand books on leadership, and most of them are pretty much the same. Uh, They say very similar things packaged in very different ways. Um, For me, the gold standard to date, and that must be more than 20 years after being published, is a book called Good to Great by somebody called Jim Collins. And the reason why I like this book is, it's a book deeply grounded in research. And he basically picked companies and a number of companies that had a very, very steady market performance, share price performance. And then suddenly they took off and outperformed the market by factor of three. What do these companies have in common? And it was probably one of the most extensive research in leadership when it came up with level five leadership which basis in all these outperforming companies, you found like a type of leader um, in very high concentration that had two things in common. Uh, Basically, personal humility combined with unwavering will to succeed. And um, I don't want to go into that further, but just keep that in mind as well. And I now will show you like... uh, the short version of that uh, Tim Collins himself in a video.
1: That the X factor of truly great leadership is humility. Humility, Combined with a ferocious will for something bigger than yourself humility in a very special way I want to be very clear these people are ambitious They have tremendous energy. They are often exhausting. They never want to stop. They never they're utterly relentless Okay, there's no they have all that but here's the difference see for a five Versus a four so for four all that energy and ambition and drive is about them It's about what they get. It's about how they look. It's about what they make. It's about what accrues to them. It's about whether they are the center. That's a four. Fives, all that same level of energy and drive and ambition is channeled outward into a cause, into a company, into a culture, into a quest, into something that is bigger and more enduring than they are, level fives lead in a spirit of service. And they subsume themselves and sacrifice for that.
0: Okay, now think about that. And again, I don't want to go into detail, I rather do Q&As, but hold the thought and think about the leaders you know, in Britain, in the world, in your company, and think how many people, how many leaders have this quality, yeah? And the last slide I wanna talk about, and again, this is just for a conversation, is it's a leadership model, um, which PP had for many years, and it probably, I think, Nick started not using it anymore, 2005, five six. But it was the model I believe in. I've tested it. I still use it in my own, and it's called Direction. Boundaries, space, and support. And this is really very simple and says you need to give an organization, you need to give a team, you need to give a society very clear direction. And that's why we talk about purpose a bit later. Direction is very important. What is the North Star? Are we going to Cape Town, to Paris or Chicago? Very important. The second thing is we need to be very clear. What are the boundaries? What are the boundaries We don't want you to overstep, yeah? And that should be very, very clearly articulated. You don't be disrespectful, yeah? You do not steal, end, 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 yeah? And these boundaries give people the space and the autonomy to operate um, in in their spaces and get things done, very important. And lastly, people need support. Uh, not only new people, people need support. Um, people might have well being issues, they might have skill issues. Uh, this is if a company, if a society can provide these four dimensions in a well balanced way, uh, um, I think you're going to win. Now, this again is something which I've not made up. Um, looking back when we had, or when P.P. had this leadership model, we were Europe's most valuable company. So for five years, BP was Europe's most valuable company. That was probably between after the mergers, around two and three, four, five. Yeah, and one of the key things is what Lord Brown did at the time I was CEO. He said, "I create the company. I give them like hundred business units, and the business units have very clear direction, very little boundaries, space. Yeah, to make money, uh, make money and do it in a safe and compliant way. And they got support from the group." define the corporate head head office in very different ways. With that, I'm pausing now and I just over to questions. Anything, Anything you want to talk about, anything you need clarification, anything you want to challenge, over to you. I see many smiling faces, some worrying faces. What about hi hi it's
2: anil here um where do you see this is really interesting and it kind of resonates a lot you know conversations around emotional intelligence and self-awareness yeah as a leadership trait and where do you see that fitting in within the model that kind of recognition of what you're good at not good at well, i mean i mean
0: the model is the underlying there are many obviously very underlying principles and my underlying principle is and I mean, the level five leader talks about that. When you read the book or the whole model, it basically talks about IQ, EQ, drive. Uh, so I think in, in, you you need to have like people who can think, yeah? You need to have people, and this is fundamental, people who have, who have the brain to connect the dots. They need to basically have the EQ, yeah? They need to have the EQ to relate to other people, understand the audience. And uh, they need to also basically have the drive, yeah? So when you talk about level five leader, um, at lower levels of leaders, you already have identified that people have the the IQ. They need to have the EQ mm-hmm. to basically do race to. And and one the level five leader, when you read it, basically says very very clearly, a level five leader would never ever blame failure on others. He would completely obsess about what could he she have done better. But if basically things go well, he she gives credit. Yeah credit to the others yeah for me that epitomizes great IQ and humility both in one but very good question because I think that is very important yeah? to be able to connect with others is just key and fundamental to everything.
3: Neil thank you so much for that question um, obviously you spent um, a considerable amount of time at Apple um, uh, and most recently have moved to Cove Trust the animal health company um, when you reflect on your time at Apple, and when you were looking up, were these some of the traits that you were observing and feeling inspired by?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, leaders at Apple were uh, accountable as well for how they how their people felt and the kind of how they inspired people. So I really got the graph around inspiring others and engaging others leads to um, you know successful business outcomes. So I think Apple definitely is, uh, would focus on the inputs and the behaviors and actually define. they spent a lot of time, Apple University, defining what makes a great leader through 23 leadership palette attributes. So that really was the fundamental DNA of all leaders. So they use that palette for hiring, for talent assessment, for performance management, to identify future leaders of, um, of the future um and what was interesting in, in the nine years i was there that palette stayed constant you know those underlying traits were pretty constant um and they were very unique to to the company's culture and language so i think creating a you know a tool like that that describes the competencies or the capabilities relevant for the culture of that company uh, the company you're in is really really valuable really important um so so definitely recognize this and i think um Building on this to use it for your HR processes is is really valuable.
0: Yeah, well, was that Steve? I think Steve Jobs based with the guy who said basically we hire the we hire the brightest people and then we need to let them get on with the jobs. Uh, typically for the space model, yeah. I think he said it. Yeah? yeah, was was it Steve? I think it was him. Yeah, who said that? That was
4: yeah. I just want to, Sarah, if I can bring you in here, because at Visa, there's a very big emphasis on the servant leadership model, which would obviously chime with level five leadership.
3: Yes, sorry, I'm still having trouble with with using Zoom. Completely agree, and I was thinking the same thing, that uh, it's... Known by different titles, servant leadership is the, the, the concept that I've heard before, but it very much resonates with the the idea that, you know, it's about exactly what we've been talking about, right? It's about how how you not only, like kind of not the what you do, but the how you do it and the underlying kind of motivation for it. And I think that ability to use that empathy and to use that EQ to link people to the, the, the vision and the mission of an organization, and especially as I think... As we 're hiring more and more folks into the organization and more younger generation coming through, that emotional connection to an organization is a huge driver for our ability to mm-hmm. win talent and I think servant leaders create that emotional link, whereas other types of leadership don't necessarily do that
0: yeah I mean I, I, I think you're probably all in the same page anyhow it's just for me the difficult thing is how do you really find the leaders with the confidence to move and work with other people at eye level i think we still most of our companies are still rather hierarchical and we are still very much directive and uh, we still have many unnecessary processes i mean that's all our challenge really how can we change culture in company to make them fit for the next 10 years so shall shall we move to purpose because that might play actually quite nicely in 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 the in in uh, in this conversation
5: i also have a one um, you know additional kind of build to this and i think you know culture of course plays a massive role and the kind of leaders that you want to make an impact Mm -hmm. but i think on the other hand you know what you reward you also encourage so therefore (laughs) the reward model and i'm I'm sure you remember that also needs to be um, pretty much in sync with, with the kind of leaders that you build in the organization. And, I
0: uh, so agree with that. I so agree with that. You can mess up your whole culture if you get the reward model wrong. I so agree with that. Fully agree. Thank you. Hello?
3: I think we're good to go on to the next, the next section. Thank you, Helmut.
4: Yeah, is just coming back in. I think he's just had to drop off. I lost
6: full audio, but I think I'm back, so I'm just resharing. Just bear with me half a second here.
4: Cool. Um, Well, just double-check before I start. Everyone can hear me? Loud and clear. Cool. Uh, As Nick said, I'm the South African-Irish person, so a bit of a weird mix, and I sound very British, so I'll be very confusing for you, Uh, but hopefully I'll I'll share something of interest. Uh, I wanted to start with this quote. You might recognize it. It's actually just past its 50-year birthday. Um, The social responsibility of business is to increase its profits. So I put that up. It's a little provocative. That was Milton Friedman back in 1970. That was published in the New York Times. But surely, surely there's more to business than just that. Surely there's more to business and life. Uh, And this is really what we want to speak about. This is purpose. Um, as Helmut mentioned, direction is important. Having a North star is as important in that as well. Uh, and, and this is really where we, we think purpose fits in. And I know many of you will know this well. So we'll, we'll go through it fairly quickly and we'll get to some of the more juicy stuff. When, when we're talking about purpose, this is really why you exist, right? As a person and also as an organization. It's not your mission. It's not your vision. Uh, and it isn't your set of values. It, it's something quite different to all of these. And it doesn't necessarily, um, trump them or take away from them. It, it more sits alongside them, but we like to think of it as really being the first thing and then everything else can align to it. So it's quite, we, it's, it's quite important in that respect. Uh, but because we're talking about purpose, we have to ask well, why is purpose important. So, for us there's really three things and i'll i'll fly through these one is around the time that we're in so 2020 is 50 years on from where friedman was and the workforce is shifting and i I know that all of you on the call will be very aware of this there's an interesting statistic on the screen in 2025 which is not far away three-quarters of the workforce will be millennials And that workforce is going to increase and it's going to start shifting as well. I mean, we all desire meaning in in the work that we do. These generations that are coming up are now demanding it. They need something more than just a paycheck and they need some more meaning in their work. So this is key to attracting the best talent. You want the brightest minds working on your big cause. Uh, and, And since launching Our Purpose, which we'll talk about a little bit, We've actually seen some interesting, interesting stuff. We've been able to attract some very different people than one year ago. So an example is we've just hired in a couple of people, one from Uber and one from Tesla. And these people are rock stars, right? I think Reed Hastings talks about the rock star principle. We've got a couple of rock stars now uh, and they've joined us. And the reasoning they gave was you've got great people, so that, that was nice to hear. But the other reason was it's because of your role you're playing in the world, your purpose. So that's cool. We're able to attract the best minds and this talent density uh, will hopefully keep increasing. Now, the next part is a bit more interesting. I think when people used to speak about purpose, it was around engagement. People enjoyed what they were doing. And I think that's, that has a place. Uh, another step on from this is actually that if you think about purpose, it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what your role is, what your interests are, your gender, any of your background, you can all align to the same purpose. You're all in it uh, together. And actually, that's one of the most inclusive things you can have. So purpose is, is engaging. It's also incredibly inclusive. The famous janitor um, in, in NASA is, I think, the story that sums it up well. You know, the janitor there wasn't just cleaning the holes of NASA, he was, he was going to the moon, right? So you're going to the moon and back with purpose. And I think the final point is around uh, performance, all of this adds up. So you, you increase that talent density that you can attract and keep. You also have people that are engaged, inspired, like Helmut mentioned and they're outward focused and all of this performance comes back into results. And the cool thing about the results are that it's twofold. It's great for your business. And it's great for society. Now, there's one elephant in the room. I like elephants in the room. Uh, I think you need to address them. And there's a big one with purpose. There's a big discussion around, well, it's purpose over profit. And investors, we've actually had quite a few discussions with investors and, and key stakeholders around this. Are you choosing purpose over profit? And how how the heck can these two be together? I'm not going to try and answer it. I, I, I believe they can coexist and I think they have to, but I think Simon Sinek says it way better than I ever will be able to. So we'll play a little video and you can soak this up. Ooh, I can't hear that, Levi.
6: Sorry, is that audio not coming through? Wasn't
5: wasn't
6: coming through. But. Uh, sorry, Ross, this might uh, this might not want to play the audio. We were having this hiccup earlier. Ross, I think you're going to have to give us your best summary of the oh, assignment. Yeah. We'll see how, how well you know your notes. <laughs> Ross, you can <laughs> do it.
4: I'll do my best impression of Simon Sinek. Let me roll on my sleeves, <laughs> right? So Simon Sinek here, and effectively what he's saying is, you can see the title there, money is your fuel, right? And what he says is your purpose as an organization is like having a brilliant car. You've got a lovely Ferrari or a Tesla, right? Great. But if you haven't got anything to put in it, let's stick with the Ferrari cause it uses gas. If you haven't got any gas, you ain't going anywhere. Okay. And this is to what Helmut's talking about. You need to have this direction. You are eventually getting to that North star without the gas, without the money, you cannot progress your cause. You cannot move forward. Money is your fuel, and that is how it plays. The two need each other. Um, putting money into purposeful organisations is surely a, a great thing for society. So this is what Simon's saying. That's my my impersonation of him. Uh, don't don't copyright me. Purpose and profits. Okay, and I'll, I'll quickly finish with a little tale and then we can jump into some discussion. Uh, I'm keen really actually to learn about what, what everyone on the call is doing and what they think about purpose. It's quite a topic at the moment. Um, okay, so Helmut is quite an awesome character, interesting uh, viewpoints, and, and sometimes very different viewpoints, which I think is healthy. One of the things he did in BP recently was he encouraged, he, he mentions this generational mix He encouraged young leaders in the company to really step up and and push them forward. He initiated something a few years back, back in 2016, where we would send young leaders from BT all around the globe to a summit called One Young World. Now, if there's anyone on the call that hasn't heard of One Young World, I would seriously recommend looking into it uh, for your own organizations as an avenue to engage and inspire your young leaders. It's seriously, seriously good. Uh, effectively, in, in short, what it is, is it's a summit where you gather thousands, uh, roughly 2,000 young leaders from across the globe, all different companies and organisations, charities, universities. They hear from CEOs, world leaders, um, and, and work on the biggest problems. Climate change is one of them. The poverty, um, education, crime we discuss all of these and we we work on them together. You form bonds with one another, you raise your global awareness, and it's just an incredible experience. For us, that's just the start. And back in 2017, at the summit that a few of us attended, then we were in Colombia, actually, amazing country. uh, Something sparked, uh, and it sparked for two reasons. Two things happened at the summit, which most of us that went there will never forget, right? The first was that, I think for the first time, we were really exposed as a, a group of young people in the industry to the outside world. And we, if we're being honest with ourselves, we, we struggled. We struggled to find pride in what we were doing and the company we were working for, if we were being honest. And that was because we were on the external stage. That really stuck with us. And another piece that that stuck with us was a brilliant talk, and I'll ask Nick to send out a link to the, the talk, given by a guy called Alexander Mars, who works at the Ethic Foundation, and his title was, Purpose is the New Currency. I remember nearly walking out to go and get a coffee, and I heard his title, he had a really cool French accent, and I turned around and said, oh, okay, I think I'll stay and listen to this one. It, it was incredible. And that changed our viewpoint. It sparked an idea. We came back and we said, look, I think BP really needs to define its purpose, why it exists. It has something there, but we need to bring it out. This will really help. We then later figured out it'll help because of that transforming workforce. It'll help inspire and be more inclusive and it will just help the business. We need this. Uh, the journey started there. A lot of, like any change uh, project, there were a lot of steps in between, but the, the real tipping point was when our new CEO, Bernard Looney was appointed. And he was fully behind this and decided BP will embrace it and BP will become purpose-driven. So now why we come to work is to reimagine energy for people and our planet. And that is something just far bigger than us. It's our new North Star. And um, I think we're all working towards becoming level five uh, eventually with it. And it's helped now uh, set our new net zero ambition that wasn't there without this purpose. We have a new investment framework that guides how we invest in projects and even our COVID response how we step up there is all rooted in how do we uh, do uh, or how do we act in line with our purpose it, it guides everything that we do now so that's what I, I just wanted to share a little tale on that we won't measure ourselves quarterly when it comes to purpose we're going to look more long-term this is around decades hopefully so uh, thank you that's that's the piece on purpose I'd love to hear what what everyone else is thinking about it and what you're doing in your, in your companies.
3: Thank you very much, Ross. That was hugely interesting. Um, uh, I hope my technology doesn't fall again. Um, (laughs) Tracy, perhaps you might want to share some um, thoughts and reflections, having been with John Nurse for um, a considerable amount of time and clearly John Nurse for a long, long time before many other organisations was really, really putting purpose front and centre of everything they do.
7: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, can I just say actually how much I've, I've enjoyed the first two sessions. So I love leadership, but thank you, Ross. I really enjoyed that. That was fantastic. Love the energy you brought to that. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess actually, you've already said this helmet, there's so much resonance in what you're discussing or sharing with us today. And I'd completely support, um, I'd completely support the importance of purpose, and actually, I mean, I in an i have I've worked in an organisation with purpose at its heart for 150 years. A big social purpose, actually. I mean, fundamentally, mm-hmm. the partnership was all about helping people get into work and getting on in life, and um, and for people who joined the organisation, you know, one made a very personal commitment. Um, about what that meant, because there were all sorts of things that we won't do as an organisation. So for instance, we, we, we focus on collective reward and not individual centralisation, because what we're trying to do is create this sense whereby we're helping the collective live lift its overall performance and its op- uh, an op- opportunity in life. But there are a couple of things that I think you've drawn out which are really powerful for me. One of them is, and actually we think about this a lot, which is you can have a really big purpose, but you, what you mustn't do is allow that purpose to falsify. You have to keep challenging yourself about its relevance and whether it's speaking to multiple generations of people coming into work. And I think you've drawn that out beautifully. It is so important that you just don't assume that, that the purpose you've got is so clear to everybody who works for you that you can't keep working at it, you can't keep pushing at it, and you can't be more ambitious with it. So you've pulled that out beautifully for me. And the other thing that I think you've also helped to sort of really highlight is that your purpose has almost has got to be so big that the truth of it is you can never know if you're going to achieve it. The whole point is it makes you strive all the time, and I think sometimes it you know will allow us to think that that if, you know, if particularly in an area like purpose, it's got to be measurable. you have to be able to track your progress towards it all the time. There must be a point at which you achieve it. For me, purpose is all about. It should always just be at the edge of your fingertips, almost beyond your reach, because that's what helps the organisation strive constantly and push itself. Um, so I love that, and I think you've drawn that out uh, really well. And I guess if you, don't, if I can just add a third point, which is just a personal share, which is that I think you have to work hard at purpose all the time. And there have been moments in my career when I think I've allowed myself to think everything's okay and the organization has really got it and I have to tell you every time I do that I've been wrong so it's so I that's just a personal share you know you just got to work hard
0: Uh, Tracy I could not agree more yeah you must always be in the detail you must drive harder it never sorts itself out. I so agree with that. It's just basically like going for the Olympics, you need to practice every day, after day, hour after hour. I so agree with that. It resonates very much yeah. with me. Thank you, Tracy.
3: Um, would anyone else like to um, share any reflections on the different organizations they've worked with as we explore purpose?
8: Yeah Karen it's it's Kay. I I was just thinking through it as as I was listening uh there to you Ross if I reflect back on on different organizations and diff- different industries that I've worked in you know sometimes finding that purpose is is easier than in others you know I I spent some time at Pearson which is education that that was a dream in many ways right because when you were recruiting people or talking to employees everyone has experience of education and, and everyone knows that you can always improve education, you know, and, and, and that purpose link was sort of easy, but we still worked hard on it. You know, when, when I've worked in other organizations, so, so for example, one was a, a logistics uh, 3PL, you know, it, it, it was slightly harder because you were providing services for other organizations that had really good purposes. <laughs> you, know, you were making sure that the right medicine got to the right hospital, within the right time and so you almost had to link your purpose in some ways much more closely with your customers to, to be able to get there so it's quite interesting as I was reflecting back on the different organizations and, and industries as, as to how you sort of identify where that purpose is and, and then how you rally people around it and whether you do that globally or locally you know can, can really depend sometimes on uh, on a number of factors so yeah just maybe reflect on that but really useful. Um, discussion really useful presentation thank you thank you kate
3: would anyone else like to add anything before we move on to our our final section
9: yeah
5: maybe yeah if, if, maybe
9: oh okay. sorry Kevin. Maybe.
5: yeah sorry i just had a couple of reflections you know because um very similar to what bp is doing on sending the young talent into one young world and then building purpose through the organization i realized is 50 percent Millennials that we had and we were recruiting, and they were not going to come in there to just uh, deliver shareholder value. they needed much more than this. so the company's gone through the journey of purpose over these last year a few years, and with the uh, acquisition of mead johnson we um, it, it it got even sharper <clears throat> but what was also interesting is when these people came back, you know we did create a forum for them to have a purpose council where they could engage with different people in uh, all parts of the world. And we had, of course, we started them to do, uh, you know, reverse mentoring was something that we, we, we ensured that most of our leaders, as they were going through their journey on purpose, were also connecting with these people. And then we brought purpose into every brand footprint. To, because if, they were, if, if there was no purpose for that brand, you know, is it really going to be part of your portfolio? Or not, so you know to to start to embed uh, these aspects as you as you went along, of course you're you know we're far away from the journey but like um, like tracy was saying it 's not something it's it, you know it, it is aspirational, it is something that you want to challenge yourself every day, and it needs to be at the heart of everything that you do, whether it 's been brand whether it 's uh, you know uh, it 's your culture, whether it 's anything your evp anything that you stand for mm-hmm. and the kind of people that you want to hire so I just wanted to add um, uh, my perspective there on, on, our, on the journey of RB as well.
3: Thank you. Thank you, Garveen. And somebody else was um, putting their hand up.
5: You, Jane. Jane. Jane.
9: Yes. Um, hi. Um, thank you very much. Um, that's been fascinating. And I, I sort of being at the Bank of England, uh, I sort of reflect that the purpose question is actually an easier thing to define in a public body perhaps than it is in a, a private sector uh, body but I, I i was just interested in whether or not you you saw sort of differences between public and private sector organizations when when thinking about some of these things
0: do you want or
4: yeah let's let's ping pong because i think
0: Actually, it, uh, it goes
4: back, it goes back to maybe Kate's point as well around the differences and how some, um, you know, private and, 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 and public, I think they have their own challenges. Kate mentioned earlier around how different teams, different organisations sometimes can approach it differently. We had one um, within VP itself where you know, we were discussing, well, the tax team were saying, what's our, what's our purpose? You know and it's almost the same question where actually that's very difficult if you can um build it up to a single north star that's helpful for those other groups i think kate you mentioned the logistics company that you were working with and again that would be that's challenging Where they can build it up and, and they have to sometimes outsource it to uh kind of be on the coattails of the other companies that they were supporting i think that's helpful um but helmet what do you think in terms of the difference between um, public well, and private sector. I mean, I think,
0: the, I, I think the process is pretty much the same. And, you know, what Ross probably didn't uh, go into detail, that, 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 that you know, we started this purpose work many, many years ago. It was a very, very difficult process just to really understand what do we mean by purpose? How does it link to what we actually do? How do we make sure that it's inspiring? What is really our contribution to society? And I think every great purpose statement at the end of the day as a link to creating a better society. Mm. And so for that reason, whether you're NGO, whether you're corporation or uh, public sector, whatever, I think if you always keep that in mind, what is my contribution to a better society? I think then you're on the right track and the process is probably very similar in, in defining that it's never easy. Because I also think it took you three years to, you and the team and the engagement, took us probably three years to really, really uh, get to the place where we currently are. Yeah, I'm, I'm just very
4: slow at work. That's why.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're not, but uh, yeah.
4: This, this is just touching on this point. I think is important. It's similar across all. If you can identify what is the contribution that you will make and what is the impact that will have on society, mm-hmm. this is a brilliant starting point. Wherever you're working and as a person as well.
9: Yeah, uh, the the bank's uh, sort of overall purpose is to promote the good of the people of the United Kingdom. And I I know from an attraction and retention point of view, it's a really powerful uh, hook um, for people. And in fact, was actually written in our founding charter, 326 years ago so uh, uh maybe we we need to refresh that but the challenge yeah. for us is is remains remain, remaining connected with the society that you're serving
0: and the bank of england gave pp a wonderful gift in, in the form of our cheap economist. so yeah. that, that is actually a wonderful yeah. gift that served us very very well I just need to say one thing. I have pleasure. to leave two, uh, two minutes to the hour because I'm, I'm on another, um, uh, 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 on a trustee meeting. So just wanna, I will quietly leave and leave the close to Nick and Ross and Levi just, just in case you wonder.
10: Uh, hi, uh, this is Mandy. I'm wondering if we have time for one more comment. Please Mandy. Hi, hi. so a couple of observations and and maybe a question. So to Jane's question, um, a bank definitely can have a purpose. Um, I spent the last five, six years at ING Bank and actually one of the biggest transformation levers for us is being clear about the purpose. Um, Actually, one of my questions to BP, the BP crew, Um, Great stories so far, by the way, really love hearing what you have to share. Um, One of the questions is, to what extent have you been able to help individuals become part of creating that purpose? And to what extent have you continued to support them in making sense of how that purpose and their own purpose in life are actually continuously in sync? So that was one of the toughest and and most meaningful challenges that I had to do. Um, One of the, maybe like a short way that I've come after working with purpose for so many years, a short way for me to think about purpose, especially for organizations, is it has to combine the sweet spot of your strength and the impact of good that you want to make for the world. So sometimes I think of it as... What is the song that only you can sing? And who is going to Mm -hmm. be better after they hear it? And that for me, it's a very simple way for people to understand why it's important, but it also immediately makes it clear that it cannot be created by a bunch of leaders in a dark room and then released onto the awaiting masses. It has to be something that everyone individually helps create and continuously make sense of by living it every day. It has to be a part, it has to be sort of the compass of how you make, especially the harder decisions every day. So that's maybe further, if you have something to share on that or-
4: Yes, (laughs) Ross
0: do you you want to kick it off?
4: Yeah, let's go. So Mandy, I love that. Let's, I think let's all create sweet music then. I think there are a couple of points you made. One was, how did we engage and involve people, if I'm right, uh, in, in coming up with this? And then the other is, how do we keep that going? Um, I think a, a, an interesting answer to both. When we were creating this, we actually, we actually um, piloted a, a new technology. We tried to use technology to help. So we, we actually involved thousands of people across BP, and we used something called SenseMaker. Uh, so this was a, a form of survey technology, but instead of, you know, I I agree, I don't agree, I disagree, one out of 10, all this stuff, it was tell us a story. And the algorithms in the software pulled out themes for us and the overarching themes that came back were around the connection that employees had with people. And this was the impact that they, that they always resonated with, was people and the planet. And the contribution as well came out because you mentioned, what are you good at and what's the impact? Um, that was one aspect, and SenseMaker is something I would, uh, there are other products that I would suggest is a, a cool place to start. The one by, this is the one by Cognitive Edge? Cognitive Edge, that's the one, yeah. Wow. Um, and I'd be interested as well, maybe ask this, uh, have a discussion with someone if, if they're working on it or have experience with it. it, it we, we found it helpful, at least as one input. Um, Helmut's going to chat, I think, Helmet, you know joe alexander well joe alexander yeah. is our new um head of purpose our purpose engagement manager which a few years back we had n- that was never even idea of having that role uh but joe having left bp she came back to do it helmet do you want to speak a bit more about joe
0: yeah to just basically uh so joe alexander left us and she left us because she said well uh I didn't see the purpose. I went into like other endeavors. Um, and then she came to our, our um, AGM and I think it was another Dean. And uh, she spoke up um, because she was not quite happy. And uh, when we started the re and reinvent BP, we reached out to her and said, Joe, would you actually, we've announced our new papers, um, would you Would you want to, rejoin us so we stayed in touch with her and she said yes i'm delighted i'm delighted i couldn't have worked for the old pp i'm very happy to work for the new pp and she's now head of purpose Um, it's not an easy job i mean i talk to her probably every 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 four or five weeks Um, she finds it hard but extremely rewarding because i think we basically have reached base camp in our in our journey to become a purpose-driven company and now we need to climb the mountain but I think I agree with, with what the input, you need to work very hard. It's very hard work, very day, and you need to have a structure in place to make sure it doesn't get forgotten. It doesn't help, it doesn't help by itself. Okay. Very
8: good. Thank you.
0: We should go on to Levi's uh, section. So we go. Yeah. That.
6: Yes. Let me give you a, uh, just a brief whistle stop tour of uh, some of the key highlights. Um, And, and just kind of tying this all back to the beginning theme, you know, how do we, how do we hack productivity and increase productivity? This is the third stool of our, of our talk, which is basically the actual workplace experience can be a huge lever in productivity. And obviously now with lockdown and people working from home here in the UK, uh, we've, Many of us probably have seen the difficulties if when you're not in a workplace that might be ideal, you might have kids screaming in the background, you know, you have no natural light, it can be hard to be productive. So um, we're in the middle of a journey. This isn't to say we have all the answers, but we have kicked off what we call workplace modernization, a journey to change our workplaces to to find higher levels of pro- productivity. And I'll share just a couple themes of that we're trying to embed into our workplaces that we think... Have, are having a positive impact. And I'll just be brief with these. So the first is agility and agile working. So the, the the old days of everyone sitting in the cubicle, everyone just put their head down doing their own thing is not productive. And I probably probably most of you can empathize with that. But what we've done the past about three years, we've said, There's a lot of hype about agile and agile ways of working and scrum teams with Kanban boards. Can this actually make a difference? So we did a few pilots around our group, one in Azerbaijan, one in Houston where they completely reconfigured the ways of working to a much more kind of modern way of doing it. And we saw big results instantly. So for example, our Azerbaijan team, they found by simply changing the way that they would work in a more dynamic way, they were cutting the time it takes to get work done by 50%. So simply the efficiency of getting work done went kind of through the roof. Uh, The Gulf of Mexico team, they completely reconfigured. They went to drill a new well in Gulf of Mexico. They reduced the cycle time of that well by a third and saved a hundred million dollars. So that kind of like got everyone's attention that, whoa, this, this agile way of working actually, you know, has something to it. And if we invest a bit of money to change our workplaces and, become more agile ways of working that can boost productivity. So, currently, we're we're about halfway through our offices globally. It's kind of on pause with the pandemic, but at a longer wavelength, we believe that by changing our offices, changing the space, we can be much more productive. And I'll just show one slide after that, that kind of brings to life what I mean. The other three themes just to quickly mention we believe that we need to show sustainability in our workplaces, and it's simple things: get rid of styrofoam cups, change the light bulbs from hydrogen to LED. Um, you know, there's there's certain buildings where we can now use rainwater that we collect in the roof that flushes the toilets. Because if we're saying we want to be a net zero company, and yet we have unsustainable ways of working, it just doesn't resonate with employees. We also know when you look at you know companies on the West Coast, the Apples, the Googles, that their workplaces really draw good talent. So we believe we need to reimagine our workplaces to get the best talent. And the last theme that we think about as we're reimagining our workplaces is well-being. And it's simple things that we have found can make a big difference. Offering healthy food versus junk food. Making sure that employees are sitting close to natural light. Making sure that the temp, I mean, just little things can make a big difference. So we're really thinking through that. And the one slide... I thought would be helpful to share to bring this to life um, that we've been using is here on the left is been kind of BP's traditional way of working for a long time. Very one dimensional. When you come into the workplace, you pass a reception, you might get a coffee at the cafe. And then for the rest of the day, you're either sitting at your desk or sitting in a, mo- in a meeting room. No matter what work you're doing, it doesn't matter. That's the way that you have to work. So when I talk about this agile way of working, what we're trying to do now, if you look on the right side, is a much more dynamic way of working where we offer variety of space and depending on the work either you need to do or your team or your group, there's optionality of different spaces to make you most productive for what you need to do. So once you pass reception, you might just need to focus and go to a library where the rule is it's silent and you can just focus. You might have a team of four and you need to solve a problem. So you go to a scrum corner where you can stand up, have whiteboards, move around, be active, and solve that problem. So the whole idea is let's not design space just to put a team in it. Let's design space with the optionality that allows them to use the space to be most productive. And again, it's a bit of investment, but we've already found that by doing this and refitting our offices, we're seeing much more productive ways of working. And we think. Employees like it better. We think they enjoy it more. It increases their sort of happiness, their well being le- levels, because it's not just I go sit at a desk all day. I'm part of a dynamic team that feels like a community. I feel inspired. So that's the journey we're on. Um, some of you may be even further on this journey, but we, we think it's making a big difference.
3: Thank you, Levi. Does anybody have any thoughts, any additions, given their own experiences? Presumably a lot of this is being accelerated um, by our remote working, but also perhaps it gets a bit more complicated as we have sort of hybrid teams. Some, Some will be in and some will not be in.
7: I think there's a really interesting link actually between um, the first part of the conversation about leadership and culture and what Levi's just shared with us. Because I think, um, by the way, I recognise this and, and I think the, the need to make this sort of shift is really important. One of the things that's interesting to me is I sit on the board of a construction company that does it's the biggest office fit out business in the UK and they're busier than they've ever been, not just because businesses are downsizing because of covid but they've suddenly woken up to the fact they have to reimagine their space in order to be um, a vibrant and attractive place for people to want to come into work but i think that the, the link i was that just immediately or the connection that comes to my mind is what's really important for this to work is you have to have a culture that supports it yeah. And, and that and that's incredibly important and I think um, I, I don't know about globe because we I work in a uk-based business but the culture of presenteeism and the belief that people are only productive if you can see them or you can track them or you can monitor them or you can account for where they are that is that's a big shift I think in, in mindset and it, it takes a lot of sustained work to embrace everything that that, that you've described I think you have to believe. You have to implicitly believe that it's going to work and then do it and then validate for yourself that it did work rather than try and stand up front and say here is here is the piece of analysis that will prove this before i step off from this journey otherwise i think you could get stuck pretty quickly i think the culture piece is really important to what you describe
8: for me. i think that's a good point and and i think what's happened you know if i, if I look at fnz anyway in the last six months it's accelerated that cultural move so so I think we were always a bit some people worked a bit from home some didn't but it was quite a presenteeism culture for them for the most part And, and we're finding now we've had a lot of people that have kind of gone oh maybe we didn't need to be and, and it's actually accelerated something that probably would have taken a lot longer um to to get to and we are you know we've got some new offices in bishopsgate which i haven't seen yet because uh, we moved offices during lockdown um and we've had to reconfigure them because they had been set up in a more traditional way um and so that's been quite an interesting exercise so i i, I think it is about this and i i think the other piece is now How do you create that fairness in your culture when you've got multi site, multi country, multi region? teams right which is is typically then saying look even if there's three of you in an office somewhere you mm-hmm. all go on video so that everyone's on video so that you don't disadvantage teams and, and finding those kind of ways to work so i think as we as different countries start to come out of lockdown at some point um we've got a large population actually in new zealand so they're sort of going we don't know what the problem is we're having a great time now <laughs> um which is a bit challenging for us globally but uh yeah it is interesting i think
3: Thank you, Kate. Thank you,
8: Tracy. As we as
3: we, we reach our sort of um, stop, um, would anybody else like to share some final reflections?
7: Come on. Could I quickly just ask a question? Is sure. Just, just to finish off to Ross and Levi, because, um, because I love this, that, that uh, we were reminded we're all baby boomers and you're millennials. And so there was a, <laughs> there was a start reminder up front that, that you view the world very differently. If, if there was one thing for us as a group of people that you would want us to take out of out of today's discussion one thing that you think is really important for organizations to be thinking about what would it be what would you tell us that we should really hold on to
6: that is a very good question ross i might put you on the spot so it gives me a second (laughs) to think of my answer
4: (laughs) yeah there's there's part of your answer i'll have a crack so if there's one thing tracy i would um i hate pointing to one thing but i'll i'll give it a crack i think And and this is something I felt actually ever since starting my career is that many, many more people in a company are are likely more capable than either they're given credit for um, or they're allowed in terms of opportunity. And I think if if we can just release the shackles on some groups of people, young people being just one of those groups, I think it will just be unbelievable. There are, there are some groups in businesses that are simply held back. Uh, and I think we've seen that come out quite a lot this year in particular. And in the last few years, that would possibly be the one thing would be uh, let's really understand each other and the different groups and let each other just let them go and let them thrive, which I know takes a bit of courage and bravery. And it needs boundaries and direction and support and space. But maybe what I'm saying is a little bit more space once we understand each other.
6: And I think what I think just real quick, what I would add is um, out of these three things, I think what for me has moved the dial for me personally, I think all three things I've experienced and have been good, but I think having a leader who is a really good leader who I can you know, who has my back, who stretches me, who pushes me, who gives me, you know, big meaty things to work on. I find that's helped my own productivity my own uh, experience of work more than anything else. And Helm and I have talked a lot about it, like what, what's the secret sauce? And we've come up with this phrase, eye level leadership, where it's basically the leader and the person kind of sit at eye level, and they talk at eye level, adult to adult, and they're listening. And it just, I think more than anything for me, and it might be different for Ross and for other millennials or whatever generation, I find having a, a, a manager and a leader that sort of trusts me, gives me space, pushes me, but has my back. I think that makes the biggest difference for me personally, for my productivity.
7: Thank you.
3: Thank you, Levi and Ross. Um, that was really, really phenomenal. Um. And thank you uh, to all our guests for joining us. I'll, I'll finish off where Nick started welcoming you all. Um, Helmut has had to drop off, as he said, but I think everyone will be in agreement. It's been an absolutely fantastic hour. Um, I found it hugely inspiring. I've been making notes. I know we've got it recorded and I think um, others may well want to dip back into it. Um, so thank you. Is there anything else you, you want to add, Nick, as we, as we close?
4: well beyond
2: you know, these things that are, are only as good as the people who attend uh, and fantastic presentations Ross Levi and Helmut and fantastic contributions from what I knew anyway was an incredibly high quality group of guests.
3: Thank you everybody um, and uh, let's brace ourselves for what, 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 what the result is going to be um, and in the meantime have a fantastic <laughs> afternoon everybody thank you.
4: Thank you. Thank
6: you. Thanks all. Nice for having Thank
4: us. You.
5: Thank Thanks you Thanks so much,
4: Ross. Thanks so much, Levi. Thank
0: you. Thanks. Bye.